has a name for it. There's a phrase that is. But whatever the reason you do. me again. So this morning I get the pleasure to announce our, uh, introduce our next speaker for this week. This is the last week that we'll have uh, guest speakers. Um, so today we are going to have the privilege to listen to Reverend Dr. Mark, Mark King. He was born in Charlotte and grew up there in the Huntersville, Lake Norman area. He's married. He's got three kids. Um, he was ordained in the Baptist ministry in 1985. He became convinced that United Methodist, Methodism was his home. He was ordained as an elder in UMC in 2004. The churches that he currently serves is University City UMC in Charlotte and Marble Collegiate Church. He was elected as conference treasurer, director of administrative services for Western North Carolina Conference, and he's co-author with Reverend Andy Langford of the Pyramid of Christian Generosity, a church strategy and stewardship. So please give a warm welcome to Reverend Dr. Mark King. Good morning. It is a great joy and pleasure to, gosh, I really can't see who's out there. These lights, you all may get up and leave and I would never know it. It's a great pleasure to be here. I have heard so many wonderful things about West. Uh, I've known Andrea for a while now. I have to tell you, I think she's one of the coolest pastors that we have in the entire Western North Carolina Conference. I love working with her. Exactly. And, and, uh, she is a true gift, not only to the conference, but to you as a congregation as well. So uh, what Brad didn't say, though, was when I grew up in uh, the Mooresville, Lake Norman area, Dooley is my family home, where the Lake Norman Tire um, dealership is right out here on 150, 150, yeah, 150. That was my grandfather's cotton farm until 1960-something when he passed away and the family sold it. So all up and down that whole, all those old houses you see, they were my family. So I have great pride when I say I have roots in Dooley. It means a lot to me. It means a lot for me to be here with you today as well. Will you pray with me? Lord, you who are over us, you are truly one of us, you who are. We ask that you'd give us a pure heart that we may see you. A humble heart that we may hear you. A heart of love that we may serve you. A heart of faith that we may always be in you. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the gospel according to St. Luke in chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. Now, at about eight days after these sayings that Jesus took with him Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. 
And while he was praying, the appearance of his faith changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they all saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's, let's make three dwelling places, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. And then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent. And those days told no one of the things they had seen. The word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Dolph Smith was an art instructor who taught at a college in Memphis, Tennessee. And upon retiring, he built a home on some land that he had inherited just outside of town. And on this land was an old, old barn. Had tremendous need of repair, but it had a real charm about it. Smith wanted to capture that charm on canvas before they went and, and, and did anything with it. So early one morning, he took his art materials, he settled on a view that had everything he would hope, he unfolded a small table, and he laid out on it small jars of paint with those small paintbrushes that artists use. And before he took out his easel, he just stood there and studied the barn. What he didn't hear was a tractor being driven by an old farmer coming down the road. This farmer, unaccustomed to seeing anyone in the field like that, stopped his tractor and went down to, to approach Smith. The farmer gazed at these small jars of paint and the little brushes on the table, and he eventually broke his silence and he asked Smith, what are you fixing to do? Smith looked up, he smiled, he was a little startled, he pointed at, at the barn, he said, I'm going to paint that barn. Again, the farmer looked at those little small jars of paint and those little brushes, and he scratched his head, and he said, you fixing to paint the whole thing? The farmer only saw those small little bits of paint and brushes. But Dolph Smith, he saw a thing of beauty that he wanted to capture forever in time. When Jesus took... Peter and James and John to the Mount of Transfiguration, the three disciples saw the mountaintop glory, and, and Peter wanted to build homes and just stay there. That's what he meant when he said, let's build these dwellings because we don't ever want to leave this wonderful moment. But did you notice Jesus in the picture? He was talking a little bit to Moses and Elijah, but otherwise he was very still and very silent. He was really just present. And then this cloud comes and God speaks out of the cloud and says, this is my son, listen to him. Not listen to Moses, not listen to Elijah, listen to him. What I didn't share with you is the very next text 
the next portion of scripture that comes after this one. And I think it's no accident that this happened in the way that it did when Jesus came down from the mountain the very next day and was dealing with a boy, a young child, the scriptures say was possessed by an evil spirit. And Jesus offered him healing and grace. You see, the disciples wanted the glory. They wanted to stay up on the mountain where everything was good. But Jesus, Jesus was down in reality. He was living in the trenches. And he was bringing the touch of God to those who needed it most in the hurting masses. You know, often enough, we, we kind of like to fit Jesus to, to meet our needs of the moment. But the more I read the New Testament, I see Jesus more and more as the epitome of God. With the all-encompassing love of God. And that love, while it's, it's needed on the mountaintops with all the glory, that love is more needed in the gutters and the troughs of life where Jesus spent most of his time if you read the New Testament, that real need of humanity existed in the valleys. And in all of it, in all of it, Jesus saw wonder. And he so wanted those who followed him, who came after him, to live there, to work there, and to also see wonder. Not Moses and Elijah on some great mountain, but in the reality of life. When Jesus walks in our valleys today, I wonder what he sees. I believe he still sees wonder, wonder and amazement. I think the Lord still, still sees the wonder of the church. Now we, we may not feel ourselves so much that right now. This past week, the United Methodist Church met in a special session of the General Conference. You might have heard about that. It was deeply divided. It was contentious. And for so many of our brothers and sisters, so many of us, so many especially of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, there is lingering hurt and pain. And those whose side got the vote and those whose side did not, none of them will ever be the same again. And the United Methodist Church is all but right now. But I'm not going to give up on the church. And I will not give up that one day all of God's children will have a place in God's church. No matter what they look like, no matter where they come from, and no matter whom they fall in love with. And I believe that even has the case among the people called Methodists. The church today comes in so many fashions. We have those 
centuries old little country churches. We have those uh, big city mega churches. We have those old style Gothic churches. And we have vibrant new communities of faith who meet in schools. The church is not some four-day meeting event that makes hurtful and impactful decisions. I want you to hear that. The church is the valley where Jesus' people are still bringing healing and grace that's so needed and so given away. 2004, my wife and I took a glorious trip to England, to London, England. And Pat and I toured while we were in London, the great St. Paul's Cathedral. We went to the, the magnificent Westminster Abbey. But then we took a train ride. We went from London, which is kind of on the, on the east side of England, all the way to the western coast of Penzance. And along that long train ride, we saw dozens of little English parish churches Some of them were a thousand years old, but they were still open and people were still coming to church on Sundays and other times of the week. And it reminded me, the church, the real church of Jesus Christ, it will prevail. It will. There's wonder. Now, beyond the church... I believe Jesus still sees wonder in people. Still sees wonder in us, you and me. We are a strange lot as a species. Have you ever noticed how we spend our health to make our money, and then we end up spending all of our money to regain our health? Have you noticed how we want to hurry up and grow up and to become Become adults who then start longing for your childhood again. We stress about yesterday and we're so anxious about tomorrow that we really a lot of times fail to live in today. We live as if we're never going to die. And then we die as if we never lived. We fail to grasp that the richest people are not the ones with the most but who learn to live with the least. And far too often, we're not able to forgive others because we can't forgive ourselves. We're not able to truly, deeply love others because we're not able to truly, deeply love who we are. But Jesus still sees every bit of that. And there is still wonder, wonder in who we are. We are a prejudiced lot. We saw that this week. We judge based on differences that in the end are not characteristics to condemn, but uniquenesses to celebrate. And when we are prejudiced against our fellow human beings, that hurts God. I love Star Trek. Love Star Trek. And if you're a true purist, it's the original series. Maybe I'm showing my age, but, you know, got to say that. 
My idea of heaven, my idea of heaven is not sitting around on a, a cloud strumming a heart all day. My idea of heaven is sitting on the bridge of the USS Enterprise shooting across the galaxy. There was one episode from the original series that I think a very poignant statement was made about prejudice based on superficial realities. I want you to see this clip. Yes, he will evade, delay, and escape again, and in the process put thousands of innocent beings at each other's throats, getting them to kill and maim for a cause which they have no stake in, but which he will force them to violently espouse by twisting their minds with his lies, his loathsome accusations, and his foul threats. I can assure you, Commissioner, that uh, our minds will not be twisted, not by loci, nor by you. It is obvious to the most simple-minded that Loki is of an inferior breed. The obvious visual evidence, Commissioner, is that he is of the same breed as yourself. Are you blind, Commander Spock? <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. You're black on one side and white on the other. I am black on the right side. fail to see the significant difference. Loki is white on the right side. All of his people are white on the right side. <laughs> Let's just take a long, deep sigh like Mr. Spock did. But how far away from the truth is that the way it is among people and among human beings? For three years, I, uh, I had the chance to live in New York City. Now, you talk about diversity and cultural challenges, but that experience really did change me. For so far, far too long, I was sheltered in my little southern white male world. But in that city, my eyes were opened, not only to how different the people looked and, and where they came from and all that, but how people who were different were dismissed or belittled. When are we going to evolve to so that all people, all people deserve respect and true equality? We may look, we may act, we may speak, we may even think differently. But who wants a rainbow of one color? I like the rainbow with all of its colors. When will we see not judgment, but wonder? Wonder in every living soul. John Merrick, or as he is better known in history, is the elephant man. Born with a terrible, disfiguring disease called Proteus Syndrome. You know, in all of history, there's only been about 100 cases ever documented. Merrick suffered from severe bone and skull overgrowth that left large protrusions that came out of his head and his face. And his entire, his entire life, Merrick was feared. He was mistreated as some kind of monster some kind of freak, even though those who knew him recorded him as having a very sensitive spirit, a very calm demeanor. 
There was a poem that Merrick found particularly comforting in his life. I want you to hear its profound words. Tis true, my form is something odd, but blaming me is blaming God. Could I create myself anew, I would not fail in pleasing you. If I could reach from pole to pole or grasp the ocean with a span, I would be measured by the soul, the mind. That's the standard of a man. Wonder. And then so finally, finally, I have to believe that Jesus sees the wonder in all of us as works in progress. You know, we all have needs. No one here today hearing my words is absolutely perfect. Not one of you today is probably not dealing with some brokenness, even if in recovery or in healing. Not one of you has it, has it all figured out. I know I don't. But renewing and growing and healing and becoming, that's all, us, that's all also a major part of the human wonder, the human journey. Some are a little closer along the way than others. Some have overcome more obstacle than others. I think it's so important as we, we think about what's going on in Methodism today that we remember one of the, the principal hallmarks of John Wesley's theology is that we're moving on to perfection. We're not there. Life is a journey, not a destination. Life is a process. It's not a product. We are moving forward, but we're not quite there yet. Now, there'll be moments, John Wesley would say, then even this earth, we get very, very close if we don't arrive. But then the world snaps back at us. We will get there. And so will the church. Some days are going to be those flat land journeys with nothing to, to, uh, to stop us. But then some days are going to be nothing but hills and mountains. And then some days, we're going to get stuck in the valley. But we're moving on. And God sees us with loving grace, with hope, offering the Spirit's hand to take hold of ours. Because we never, ever go it alone. Just be mindful that there are others beside of you also along this journey also trying to go forward. In the words of the old spiritual, we ain't what we should be. We ain't what we're going to be. But thank God we ain't what we was. After this week, it may feel like you're in a valley, but we're in a valley. But even there, Even there, God sees wonder because Jesus is at work. The wonder of the church to wrestle with what it means to be the people of God. The wonder of people who are willing to look beyond just the surface and see people, see each other for the wonder that they possess. The wonder of a people on the way, becoming 
Not quite where, where they will be, but certainly not where they were. If 2019 has already been a disappointment for you, see it the way God sees it. We can't stay in the mountaintop glories where everything's always going to be good. Are we willing to live in the valleys with Jesus? Offering healing and hope and grace and seeing the world as Jesus sees it with love and wonder. The real wonder of it all. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, as we we deeply ponder right now our place in this world, our place in your church, our place in where we are, are moving toward. God, help us to see the world as you see it, with wonder and amazement and love, not ready to give up ever, but who will walk with us even when we're in the valleys. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, I have enjoyed this. What a great church fellowship you have here. Hold on to it, cherish it, love it, and then take it back out into the valleys where Jesus is ahead of you, beside of you, and behind you every step of the way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.